Welcome back in. It is the Bill Michaels Show. Ben Kenny, Grant Bills in for Bill today. Welcome to the rest of the network. Joining us in the 11 o'clock hour on a beautiful, beautiful Monday in the state of Wisconsin. We are really, we're, we're sneaking up on, what's the day called when it's the longest day of the year? The summer Solstice. solstice yes that's the word i was looking for we're sneaking up on it which is a little bit depressing i think because then that means the days only get shorter yeah. but great weekend out uh, the weather was unbelievable i got on the golf course for a bit it was a, one of those situations grant where for the front nine i was i was a single out there i was playing with a bunch of other guys there was no rhythm really i struggled a little bit to to gain a rhythm given the uh how the rest of the group was playing. And I don't mean that as a slight, like I was a single playing golf. It's what you expect, mm-hmm. but the back nine, it was only me. And then I shot the lights out, but uh, TPC Madison looked absolutely beautiful. The reference to that grant is TPC is a tour preferred course. That's what oh. they call all the courses around the country. So everyone was joking. They played the U S open just now at Brookline, the country club. And many were calling it TPC Brookline to get the golf hardos up in up in a knot, which is really not that hard to do. I, I will say um, you were criticizing, rightfully so, my my golf lingo, the way I talked about the game a couple of minutes ago. Just listening to you describe your outing. I mean, it's clear that you play golf and I don't. I mean, your language, the way you speak about the game, you paint a picture. You are leagues ahead of me. And by no means am I good, but we're getting there. The game's rounding into form. We have our Zone Madison golf outing in August. My goal is by then to be good again. Is it a Saturday? I think it's a Friday. What the hell? I know. What if I, I wanted to come? I, that, I would make everyone else feel great about their golf game. You could take that Friday off. Take a trip down, stay for the weekend. Uh, I'm not made of vacation days. You know, <laughs> you know Bill, Bill Michaels, rightfully so, has achieved a place in his uh hallowed broadcasting career where if there's nothing going on bill's like i'm gonna take a day or i'm gonna go to you know this cabin or this event you know i am not at that place yet that's what i'm striving for yeah i got you but yeah great great weekend i was out on the golf course watched a lot of golf u.s open was awesome we're gonna get into it a little more later uh maybe the comps we could have for some of these athletes and what they're able to do because for the casual watcher of sports I'm sure many turned that on and had not really understood the context of who these guys were at the top or why they're there and why they are always there at the end of majors. But it's really cool stuff. There was a story I was going to talk about with Matt Fitzpatrick, the winner. Uh, He is a absolute legend for this. And we're going to talk about that coming up next after this. But I mentioned it entering the break. Uh, So the Brewers sweep the Reds over the weekend. Back on track, I think they really have turned a corner from the losing streak. Am I going to return to crown them as the NL Central Kings and a lock to go make the playoffs? No, I'm not there yet. They have to get healthy. They have to be more consistent. It's really the pitching staff. We need to see those guys return and pitch effectively. But the sweep against the Reds was big. Now they get a big week coming up. Cardinals for four games, Blue Jays for three. I think a four and three week would be a huge win. Just keep momentum going. But there was something that I noticed in really uh, about two weeks ago now that Craig Council did. 
So all throughout last year, Christian Yelich, he is the most polarizing figure on the team because when it goes well, everyone rushes to Twitter and says he's back. When it's bad, everybody wants I they want to bench him. They want to get him mostly, off the team. By the way, Yelich is mostly the guy who rushes to Twitter to say that he's back when he yes, has a good game. Which he leads the charge. Thank goodness he hasn't tweeted since that second video. But the stats were alarming. Each of the two times he had gone off, he had that slam against the Pirates and then the cycle against the Reds. Twitter video was posted immediately after each time. And then he proceeded to go two for his next 20. Both times. Literally the same stats. You were on top of that, by the way. I was citing your Twitter account on the show. I was like, Ben Kenny, his research department got on this and had pre and post video splits. So just know it was a big talking point on my show. I appreciate that. Well, that's what we call analytics. Those are the analytics. All these analytic nerds is what I hear all the time. Those are the analytics we go for. But so throughout last year, like Yelich by no means was close to his 2018 self. We all know that he was not productive in the three spot in the lineup and the lineup really struggled as a result. You had guys that were hitting around him that because Yelich did so little in the middle of the lineup, the rest of the guys weren't able to see as many good pitches. They weren't set up in advantageous situations to produce. And I had called last year. I said, going into the playoffs, Craig Council needs to move Christian Yelich to lead off. And it's a move that you might shake your head at because if he's struggling, why not move him down? I also would have been in favor with moving him down. But the one thing he has been able to do a little bit, despite the lack of power and yet lack of consistency, is he's getting on base. He His on-base percentage through last year and now with this year, it's close to on par with what it was through his early years in Miami. Now, these are not his, uh, you know, all-star game, all-star year uh, years in Miami. But before that, when he was he was hitting 280, but his on base was up in the in the three six thirty six percent. That's what it was last year. So if you put him at leadoff, he's a guy that still has a little bit of speed. He's able to be a, a tone setter for the lineup. Are we going to see doubles and home runs from that spot? Probably not, because that's not the hitter he is right now. But he had been able to get on base. Craig Council obviously did not make that move last year. The team lost in the playoffs. And then this year, we're seeing kind of the same signs through, I I forget how many games, but, you know, he was hitting 220. His on base was still in the low threes, not productive by any means, but his one actual skill you could have pointed to was that he was getting on base. So on June 8th against the Phillies, Craig Council moves Christian Yelich to lead off. Now the Brewers lost that game 10 to nothing. It was in the middle of the skid. Nothing was going right. The Phillies offense went nuts. But since that point, since June 8th, Christian Yelich has gotten a hit in all but two games, two of them actually somehow against the Reds this past weekend. But his what the heck? His uh, average since the move, since June 8th, he's hitting 297 with an on-base up to 352, scored eight runs, he's hit two homers, two RBI, no extra base hits. But I want to give Craig Council a lot of credit here. Because the lineup with Christian Yelich at leadoff is drastically different than it was with him at three. Part of this is Colton Wong was not really the guy at leadoff. He wasn't giving you the production you needed. Really inconsistent to start the year. But now with Yelich there, he's, I I mean, he's hitting slap singles, which by no means are needed for this team. But when you look at any way to salvage 
what Christian Yelich is and what he can do. He's not living up to the contract, right? He's, he's not going to have an MVP season. I feel confident saying that. But him at leadoff is a different look for this lineup that has helped in massive ways, and I want to give Council credit for it. It's a move that maybe took some guts to make, given his struggles, but it's paid off massively. First of all, you did an outstanding job lining this up. Well done. Well done. Um, I have a question and then an analogy that I think I might use on my show tonight. The question is, what would moving him down in the lineup accomplish? Yeah, he's not damaging you in the three spot, but does that help Yelich? Does that make Yelich a better player moving him down? I, I don't know what difference that would have made. That's why I think it makes sense to move him to lead off. Well, moving him down, I don't think would have helped him. I just yeah. think it would have gotten his dead bat out of the three spot, which was necessary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's why I think moving him up makes sense because Yelich had been this player where he would slap singles and he's good on base, steals bags. He's a really good base runner and he would take his walks. Moving him to the leadoff spot didn't make him a different player. It just took what he was already doing and put it in a spot where it was better utilized. This, this is the analogy I'm thinking of making a to-do list when you come into work. Do you ever do this, Ben? No, but I do it every night. I'm a big, I'm a big no tap oh. guy. All of my, all of Bill's show stuff, everything organizing my life are in my notes app on my computer. And often before I go to sleep, I think about what I have to do at work and after work and just write it. Well, you're a better man than me. I sometimes come in in the morning and on my little legal pad I have here, I write down like the six things I want to get done. But almost always, there's six or seven things that I was going to do anyways. I'm not challenging myself. I'm just writing the things down that I'm already going to do so I can check that box. And I feel better about myself, even though I didn't do anything extra. I feel like that's the same thing at work with Yelich going to the leadoff spot. Because he's basically the same player. He's a little bit better. He's had a great stretch, but he's the same player. The problem is, or the good thing is, now all of those skills are, are in a better spot. They're going to use. Right. Like if I come in and I do the bare minimum eh, not a great day, but if I make a to do list with the bare minimum and I get to check all the boxes, then it, it feels different. It feels like I've accomplished something. And I think that's what's at work with Yelich. He's the same player. He's just in a spot where that same player is better utilized. Does that make sense? It does. I would even maybe go a step further and say it has made him a better player. Because when he was at the three yeah. spot and maybe this is just his own pressure he puts on himself. And I don't want to say this as fact because I think it's it's impossible to prove, obviously. But I think he has been freed up at the plate by moving to leadoff. Because at the three spot, what he needed to do for the team is hit for power, get extra base hits, drive in runs. And even though, I mean, Adamas had been up and down and, and not really healthy and Wong hadn't been great, there were so many times he wasn't even coming up with guys on base. But I think now at leadoff... Him knowing that he, really his main objective should be to get on base, I think it's freed him up and actually made him perform better. Not to mention, he probably sees better pitches, right? So yeah. he sees better pitches. Now that his dead bat is not at the three spot, you have Adamas who is hitting second. He'll see better pitches at two because they can't just pitch around him to get to Yelich. It frees everybody up. But yeah, to that, I, I do think it is just his skills better utilized, but I think it has improved his skills. Okay, let me put it this way. I take back what I said about him not being a better player. He's gotten better, and the numbers that you laid out since, what, June 8th? Was that the date where he was moved? Yes, yeah, so June 8th, he was hitting 224 with a 315 on base, and that was after a long streak of not good. 
And then right now, sitting today, two weeks later, he's hitting 240 with an on-base in the 320s. So he's been a better player. He hasn't been a different player. It's not like he started hitting home runs again and a bunch of extra base hits. But but I think taking the skill set that was there already, putting in a spot where it's better utilized, like you said, it freed him up and it probably gave him some confidence. It probably gave him a new look on things where he's gotten better. Yes, he's not going to hit 40 bombs. Hopefully he hits a few more. I mean, he had a nice opposite field shot. Was that Friday against the Reds or Saturday? I don't know. But I think just that success that he's had since the move, it's like you said, it's freed him up and it's got him feeling better. And that's why his numbers have improved. And this is also a statement about how poor the Brewers offense has been. And it's a broken record. Like what? It's it's the middle of June. Let's complain about the Brewers offense and where they stand. I mean, take away Omar Narvaez, who is not an everyday player. Obviously, him and Caratini split it. But I guess if you combine the two, then they would pass Yelich in this regard. But take away the catching spot and take away Keston Hira, who obviously has not been an everyday player. Christian Yelich is the best on-base percentage on the team. And yeah, Adamas has been pretty atrocious in that regard. And Telez has been okay. All the other guys have been really up and down. McCutcheon is disappointed, I would say, given what you expected from him. But yeah, he, he does still have the best on-base percentage on the team. So I going forward, I don't know how to project Like, what do you think going forward? Do you think maybe if we see these incremental gains in contact and hard hit percentage and hitting, actually getting hits, getting on base, do you think that could snowball into more power? From Yelich specifically? Yeah. No, yeah, just from him. From being at leadoff, being freed up, and seeing, I guess you mentioned a three-point shooter, seeing the ball go through, him, him seeing the ball drop in the outfield. I think it will improve. I don't know how much it will improve. You know what I mean? But if you can get us a, you get a double or an extra home run once a week, that's still magnitudes better than what you've gotten. Like, I think it was a week or two ago. I pointed out with Yelich. If you could just get one home run or a double every week, that's like a game difference. Cause you know how these brewer games go for the most part, they're all on a razor's edge. They're, they're losing by one run or they're barely holding on to a lead. If you just mix one big hit from Yelich in a week, that makes a world of difference for the team. So I, I think, yeah, an incremental improvement, but an incremental improvement would be huge for this team. That's all they really need. The lack of doubles is troubling. Yeah, it stinks. That really sucks. He has seven home runs this year. He has nine doubles. It's bizarre. Uh, even last year, he went on that little hot stretch where everyone proclaimed him back. I think I was one of those people just for the sake of being an optimist. But even last year, he was able to, I mean, 19 doubles in uh, pretty much. I, I think we're close to halfway through the season, if, if I'm not a crazy person. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It's interesting. The, the power thing, I don't really think it'll help his power. I just think it will help him really free his mind up. I, it sounds crazy, but there was a good piece on MLB Central done earlier this year. Mark DeRosa, who's tremendous, former MLBer, has been an analyst on that show for some years. I used to watch it every day when I was home during the summer. It's an awesome, if you love baseball, it's an awesome way. Like, they're funny, they're cool, awesome way to learn more about it. Can I, can I say really quickly, MLB Network feels like what SportsCenter used to feel like. Just rapid fire, take you through the games, exciting, entertaining. I love it. Well, yeah, because they actually show the games. Uh, highlights yes which so not to cut you off but i just wanted to throw that in there no that is a bigger conversation i understand that we all can now look at highlights on our phones 
but I still want to wake up and watch SportsCenter and see the, the dashboard on the left and see the highlights from every single game that happened with those normally cool people talking over it. Like, yeah. that's so awesome. But that's gone away. But, yeah, in, in terms of the power, I don't think it really rises that much. I just think him, he's been freed mentally by this move and, and council moving him. I think, it, like, when we get down the stretch of the year and the lineup gets healthy, maybe they make a move. But that lineup looks a lot different and a lot scarier, I'll add, with Yelich at leadoff playing like this, which still isn't amazing by any means, but playing okay. And then the rest of the guys behind him with Adamas and Telez and Renfro and maybe Hira gives you something. Hopefully Luis Arias comes back and, and it plays better. He's been struggling recently. Maybe McCutcheon gives you something. Then you throw in Peterson and Tyrone Taylor. The lineup looks a lot scarier than it did when Colton Wong was at leadoff and Yelich was at three. Because honestly, yeah. I was losing hope at that point. Like if Yelich was going to stay at three all year, I do not feel as good about the team than I do right now. No doubt. No. And at some point this year, you know, their three and four spot could really stink. Right now it's it's easier because the Dumps and Renfro are hitting. We've learned with the Brewers offense, it can go hot and cold so quickly. You know, if Adamas and Renfro are struggling, all of a sudden Yelich is getting on with walks and singles. It doesn't really matter as much. I, I will say, I think it was Saturday. If I pull up the scoring plays here, I probably tweeted about it. Yep, Yelich doubled in the first, or uh, Telez doubled in the first. Yelich scored. Adamas homered in the third. Yelich scored. This Brewers team is capable of getting big hits. I mean, they have 89 home runs. It's third in baseball. But oftentimes during that losing streak, no one was on base. So you'd have these massive home runs and there'd be no one on base. So it'd be mostly a waste. So if Yelich can be in the mix and make those big hits more valuable when the big hits come, it makes a world of difference. Maybe this is me trying to make sense of something that's more complicated, but the offense really isn't the problem right now. And it sounds nuts to say when it's the Brewers and we know for the last couple of years when they have had issues, it has been because they cannot hit and they cannot hit in big games and they can't finally get those big knocks to get them over the hump. But the problem has been the pitching and obviously health is a big part. There's been no Peralta, no Woodruff, but for that stretch of losing, they lost seven, nothing to San Diego. Then you had that weird game that went into extras Hater blows the save. The pitching aside from that was pretty good. But then they lose 10 nothing against Philly, 8 to 3 against Philly, 11 to 5 against Washington, 8 to 6 against Washington. Then you move forward, uh, the two losses to the Mets were 4 and 5 runs respectively. You look at the last couple of weeks and even when they were on the losing streak, and then I'll include this Red series, they scored 6, 7 and 5 respectively against the Reds. Uh 4, 10 and that one big dud, 0 against the Mets. But then before that, four against Washington and then six and then five Philly. Uh, they scored three, that one blowout uh, and then two, like the, the offense isn't as horrendous as many are going to make it out to be there. We just hit. And I know this cause I have most of the Brewers staff on my fantasy team. Yeah. They just hit a two week stretch where even Eric Lauer started struggling. Well, Eric Lauer in his last five starts has an ERA of 5.81. Right, he was two point one six. He was so good. Yeah, he needs to get back to that, um, because he's he's one guy really with Peralta and Woodruff out. It's him and Burns who have put away stuff. Jason Alexander pitches to contact. Adrian Hauser definitely pitches to contact, but their defense has taken a hit this year. So as you saw with Hauser in the first inning against the Mets, 
you know, he can get a couple ground balls or, or soft batted balls. And if the defense can't handle them, it, it can get out of hand really quick. Lauer's a guy who can actually strike guys out. So he's a guy who can push through all the noise. If the offense isn't playing well, if the defense isn't playing well, Lauer should still be able to control a game. He hasn't been that guy the last couple of weeks. So he needs to get back to that. Yeah. And they need Woodruff back as well. We actually got some good yeah. news. And we'll mention that when we come back here, we'll give a little update as to where the pitching staff stands injury wise, where Woodruff stands. There was also a story I mentioned around 11 o'clock, Matt Fitzpatrick, the U S open champion, an awesome story. And one that brings up many what ifs or would you haves looking at this and what he was able to accomplish. We're going to hit that next. It is Ben Kenny and Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michaels show on the Wisconsin sports zone radio network. Welcome back in hour three, Bill Michaels show. Bill will be back tomorrow. I'm sure to talk all about as well where the Brewers stand. The release of someone we're about to talk about because boy, was there some chatter online this weekend, but also the release of the first guy. So Grant uh, Lorenzo Kane on Saturday, the Brewers DFA'd designated for assignment Lorenzo Kane. They did it on the date of him reaching 10 years of MLB service time, which is a classy, classy, classy move. Given once you hit 10 years, the pension benefits are different. You are a full fledged member of the union is my understanding. It's very significant in, uh, it's, it's, it's a very significant date that players really aim to reach. That's a success for a lot of guys. So they DFA him. I mean, he had struggled mightily all season. He was hitting 179, 231 on base, 234 slugging, OPS below 500. He just really couldn't bring you anything. Uh, Obviously a very important clubhouse voice, but it's Mm -hmm. a move that makes sense in the grand scheme of the roster because Tyrone Taylor has been a better option there in the outfield. Uh, And I mean, now Jonathan Davis, look at that. Uh, right before getting selected in the NBA draft to Johnny Davis out there on the Brewers. No, it's a, it's a different Johnny Davis spells his name the same. I cannot take credit for that. I think Kurt hog Milwaukee journal Sentinel had that joke out first as soon as he made his debut. But what was your first reaction? So uh, Kane Kane had talked about it a little bit. He said it was a mutual agreement. Doesn't know what's coming next. Uh, what was your first thought when you saw that the Brewers finally made this call to DFA Kane? I'm going to be very careful with this. I'm going to start my show with this tonight. You don't have to be careful. Take a test run with this take on this show. I can try it out. You tell me what works, what doesn't sure can work out kinks and it'll be better on my show tonight at four personally and professionally for the most part. I adore Lorenzo Cain. He played for two franchises that are not perennial contenders. He won a world series in Kansas city. He's been a big part of success in Milwaukee. He is the nicest guy in the world. He does all of the things that I want a winning baseball player to do for my team. I have nothing but respect for him. The baseball season is a grind. I'm excited that I think he is done and gets to now spend time with his family, which I think is what he wanted for a couple of years. Here's the thing, though. 
like two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, Adam McCalvey put out a piece as he does. He writes for brewers.com and MLB.com. He is the brewers reporter. And he had a quote with Lorenzo Kane where Kane basically said, I suck right now. Renfro's hurt. That's the only reason I'm playing. Brewers probably don't want me playing, but it is what it is. Like, I'll try to do my best, but whatever. And it just seemed very indifferent. It didn't really seem like he cared. He seemed tired. It seemed like he didn't want to play anymore. I'm so happy for Lorenzo Cain and all he has accomplished. I just don't think he wanted to play anymore. I think he wanted to be done. I think two months into the season, the season wasn't going his way. And he said, well, I've played forever. I'll just be done which is his choice and more power to him. The problem is the Brewers kind of need him. Even if he's not going to play a ton, I want his leadership. I want his experience. I want his defense. I, I want that as a part of my team. And I think the Brewers do too. And Lorenzo Kane didn't seem too intent on providing that this season. You know what I mean? And that, uh, I don't, I, that kind of irks me a little bit. Yeah. The, my reaction to the quote was similar. It was more of, well, if you, don't really want to be here, then why are you? Yeah. And yeah. I would, I immediately brought myself back to, he is a very necessary part of the locker room. And there's a lot he does that isn't just producing on the field. But I feel like even in that setting, most athletes would say, or most people would say, you know, working to get better. I right? we're, we're not, why not in a great Fake spot it. right now. Completely lie yourself through that coming out and saying that he didn't, he didn't know if he, Wanted to be there. Yeah, it was odd. Um, I don't know. It's tough because he hasn't obviously really produced well. Like last year was okay. He hit 257 OPS in the 700s. He was a little bit below average, but he did enough, right? Uh, yeah, the team does need him. I guess I'm going to look at it from an optimistic point of view and think that I want Tyrone Taylor to get as many at-bats as possible. And yep. it, it happened maybe midway through May where I realized it's like, you know, I like Lorenzo Kane has probably reached the end of the road. There's no reason he should still be out there. And then injuries happened and he was kind of forced onto it. But I still think there were better avenues to maybe produce than have that still happen. I don't know if it would have been possible to still have him in there in the clubhouse as a, you know, just a clubhouse guy. But taking up the roster spot definitely yeah, wouldn't have worked. But I, I would have never brought him off the bench as a bench bat. You know, it's, I mean, maybe this is an unfair drive-by, but it, more of a bench, you know, stick. Just a bench guy. Bench stick. Uh, okay, well, here, here's the thing. Maybe I feel differently about this scenario. When Andrew McCutcheon was like over 30, I didn't really care. He'll be fine. He's played baseball forever. He'll figure it out. And I think he has. I think you talk to most Brewer fans and they're still kind of pissy about McCutcheon, but he seemed to be one of their better bats the last couple weeks. He's not hitting bombs, but he's getting up there and giving you good at bats. Lorenzo Kane has been a competitive, productive baseball player forever. You're telling me that he can't have a three month slow start to the season and still be a useful player in any way for a team that has aspirations of winning a world series. And I guess, look, if, if that doesn't get Kane out of bed, then go ahead, retire. But I'm a little disappointed that he still couldn't say, well, I'm not playing every day and I'm not hitting a bunch of bombs, but I can still provide this, this, this. And in my final season where I'm making $17 million, like I'm not going to feel bad for you, dude. You're making 17 million right out your final season and, and then hang with your family for the rest of your life. And I, I'm not a parent, so I don't want to, you get why. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I think looking at his production and could he have turned it around? I don't really 
like when you watch McCutcheon, you could see that it wasn't going well. But I guess maybe it was just a gut reaction. I still thought that he would be able to turn it around and be productive. And maybe it's because I've watched a lot of him uh, when he was in Philly, obviously, the last couple years. Kane, I don't know what it was, but the eye test, we've talked about this today. I, the eye test just just wasn't checking out for me. Like the even when he got into a ball and it looked like hard contact, I it, it was still flying out to the center fielder. Like even even what you would expect are you know opportunities for him to break out a bit. And when it finally looks like it's going right, the the production still wasn't there. So I don't really know. I never really looked at his start to the season just watching him play and thought that it could have been turned around. Okay. I had I had faith that he could turn it around to some degree. And even if not, he's a useful player. There's a reason the Brewers signed him to that deal, knowing that it wasn't going to be pretty at the end. I would imagine David Stearns and Atanasio and Council said, well, at the very end, at least it'll be great experience. He'll be able to give us something. And Kane just never seemed that interested. I mean, COVID did hit, but I, that was kind of a disaster of a contract. Like 2018 was great. And then after and we that, that, we knew that. When that deal was signed in 2018, everyone and their mother who had a blog or a Twitter account said, this is a great deal for the here and now. It will stink when he's old. And that's exactly what happened. Which is fine. I mean, I don't really know the finances of it. I think uh, I think DFAing him, they still owe him the money. Uh, baseball is all guaranteed. So it's not like this frees up spots for the Brewers to go get aggressive. But I don't know. We'll see. It's It's one of those things where the good heavily outweighs what the bad has become like the good of 2018, the good of what he brought to the franchise heavily outweighs the fact that he hasn't been a major league hitter in four years. Been that long. You, you have that little faith in him at the plate. Oh, I, I I said this and you had dropped off for a second, but when I watch McCutcheon play, like I've seen him go through cold spells yet, Maybe it's just a gut thing, but I feel like there's always a better streak coming after. And part of that, like, because his speed is still there. The hands are still fast. You still see the pop. There are just moments where it doesn't go well. And he's obviously not MVP McCutcheon. Kane, even when he was getting into balls at times, it was a fly ball to the center fielder. It just seemed like, it seemed like everything and not deteriorated, but it had taken steps back. And he just wasn't able to really produce. I never thought that a bounce back was possible. Maybe I'm delusional. Maybe I'm I'm expecting too much, wanting too much. Again, I didn't think he was going to be an everyday player and, and a huge offensive contributor this year. But I, I, I thought he would be helpful in some way. And I guess that just wasn't in the cards for Kane. And look, go be with your family. If that's what you want, go ahead. I'm not going to say good riddance. I just wish he would have been a little bit more interested in ending his last season with the Brewers in, in a different way. I think that's a fair stance. I really mainly in terms of how he would carry himself publicly, maybe more so than I, I mean, on the field, it just wasn't going. Yeah, well. but we, This is what's tough. We also appreciate the honesty, right? We like when our favorite athletes are honest. So I sometimes it's a, it's a real. Yeah, sometimes sometimes we wish we'd they'd keep things to their, themselves. Yeah. But. Uh, all right. Eight, seven, seven, eight, six, seven, 1670. What do you think about Lorenzo Kane no longer being on the Brewers? Grant, there was mass hysteria on the online spheres this weekend. The Packers released backup quarterback, Twitch star, Kurt Benkert, leaving Bill Michaels 
and our morning show guy, Ebo, as the most famous Twitch streamers in the state. Your thoughts? <laughs> Bill Bill should start playing a video game and stream it. I don't know what. <laughs> he should build his Twitch empire. Like, get really into Minecraft. I'd play Minecraft with Bill. I was texting a friend earlier today about how I miss playing Minecraft <laughs> a lot. Love Minecraft. I never played. I, I had an app on my phone that I would mess around with on airplanes, but I never played. I never got into it, like, for real. Oh. What game do you think w- would be the best to get him into? That's interesting. I would want to watch that? Bill. Like, this is maybe golf nerd stuff for me, but I love playing the PGA video games. They are yeah. so fun. I would love to see Bill play the PGA video game because it's hard. Like, it's hard to get good at. And and I could already see, like, you know, some of the great on-air hilarious moments are ones that come from, you know, other funny stuff happening. I mm-hmm. could not imagine how great it would be to see him, like, fail at PGA Tour 2K21. I think it'd be funny to... He's a big racing guy. He's always at, uh, what is it, Elkhart Lake? Yeah, yeah. I'd watch him play Mario Kart. It'd be pretty mm. funny. Um, I, I thought you were going to go, like, NASCAR. Yeah, or NASCAR, you could dress Bill up in, like, a camo vest and, like, get him some nice graphics and just have him be playing Call of Duty, yelling at middle schoolers <laughs> in, the, in the game chat. I'd watch that. That'd be fun. That'd be good. But, yeah, so... Uh, Why did we start talking about this? Kurt Benkert was released. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. My first thought, Grant, was... I uh, Now, if I was an optimist, and I'm not saying this is fact, but if I were to be a massive optimist... I would use this to say that Jordan loves good. They got rid of Ben Kurt. Uh, loves good. Now, if I was a realistic human, I would just think, whatever, a third string quarterback, great guy. Like, he seemed to connect with Green Bay very well. But uh, it is what it is. They released him. Shout out to, and Benker talked about this. We mentioned how Kane was released on his 10-year day to get the pension. Goody released Benker to give him time to find another roster. It's done with all class. I think some props uh, should be given to the Packers and the Brewers for how they handled it. But, I mean, it's the NFL. It is what it is. Uh, Kirk Benkert is not Taysom Hill. He's not a guy that actually could have legitimately helped the Packers on the field. Jordan Love is clearly the backup quarterback, and it is what it is. Maybe that's a very simple way to look at it. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> at all. At all. <laughs> and so, okay, there's two parts to this. I saw a lot of a lot of Packers fans on Twitter saying, I am bummed. I enjoyed Kirk Benkert on Twitter. I enjoyed him as a member of the team. And for a player who's never going to play or matter, you could do worse, and he was a fun guy to have. And I agree with that. The problem is, I don't live in the depths of Packers fandom in the blogosphere and the weird things that goes on there. I try to keep a little bit more of a distance. The problem is, with player like Kirk Benkert or Tim Boyle before him, Somewhere between fun guy and 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 the conversations that happens in, in the Packers Twitter world, everyone will convince themselves that, like, ah, you know, give it a couple of years. Let them develop. They'll turn into something. Like, I remember Tim Boyle towards the end in Green Bay. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, he lights it up in preseason. He might get some looks. His I mean, name you know, is... Team... Yeah. I have to stop you. His name is Tim Boyle. What are we doing here? Yeah. And, and I don't I... mean that as a... Like, I that was kind of a drive-by on him. But, like, come on. You know, for someone, by the way, that's the second drive-by you've said. For someone who was driven by by a man in a scooter this weekend, yeah, that throwing was, around that term very liberally today. That was not okay. That was, that was but not but okay. This, is, this is what I'm saying. I don't mind enjoying a player to enjoy him. The problem is 
Packers fandom, and you know this, they get so obnoxious that they'll convince themselves, like, I love Tim Boyle. He needs to have a good preseason. Some team will want him. Give him a chance. It's like, no, that's <laughs> not going to happen. And I wish we could just enjoy Tim Benkert or Kirk Benkert. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> but then Packers fans will convince themselves that he's good. And I'm like, now he's annoying because he's an extension of you. And I don't mind that he's gone at all. Grant, there were all takes right. last preseason when Love went out with the ankle or maybe the shoulder. He was out for a game and Benkert played well. There were takes that he was better than Jordan Love. Uh, this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. Packers, certain sects of Packers fandom makes me dislike these guys. Does that make sense? It does. I will say uh, this. My only football related take here is I think Kurt Benkert is better than Danny Etling, the guy they chose <laughs> over him. I don't think Danny Etling can play, but I'm not in the building every day and I don't see it. Right. So I don't know. It's we yeah. Could ask Zach Heilprin. He's there. I'll text Zach. Zach wore a a nice button down to work today, actually. I was going to mention that earlier. Yeah, he's looking pretty good. I asked him if he wanted to come on, and he said no. (laughs) I really wish I got to see Zach ever. I've never met Zach in person. I wish I just got to bump into and interact with him, not even on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. It's funny we're talking about Kirk Benkert. Uh, A tweet just of his popped up, and it was the goodbye to Green Bay. It is really cool that he likes that town He's like, this is where my daughter learned to walk. I'll miss it, blah, blah, blah. Now, I would argue that if Kurt just spent a day in Madison or Lacrosse or Milwaukee, he'd be like, okay, these places are all better, but I'm, oh, he seems like a unnecessary drive by on Green Bay. We don't need that. I'm just not a huge Green Bay guy. It's fine. I mean, that is it's fine. That is a bold thing to say on a statewide radio program. You live in, oh, oh Bill's on in Green Bay, isn't he? Yeah. I'm not on in Green Bay. I got to be careful. Yeah. All right. Uh, 877-867-1670. If you want to disagree with Grant, call him an idiot. You are more than welcome to. Phone lines are wide open. We're going to step away here. Take a quick break. More chatter, more brewers coming up next, as well as reaction. Lorenzo Kane, Kirk Benkert are both gone from the respective teams. There's thoughts about the U.S. Open, which quarterbacks say, do these golfers remind us of? A lot of stuff going on today. It's Ben Kenny. It is Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Bill Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.